two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Let's invite the presence of the Lord to be with us this morning. Father, we're thankful for the privilege that we have to come before you. I pray that you would be with us today. Pray that your presence would be with us, Lord, during this time together. Help us to learn from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have been studying the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about the Trinity. We've uh, we talked about the Holy Ghost role in the Old Testament. We've talked about the relationship between the Holy Ghost and Jesus Christ. We've talked about some of the names used in Scripture for the Holy Ghost. And this morning we want to talk about the role of the Holy Ghost in conversion or in salvation. We're going to be starting by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, in looking in the next uh, few Sundays beginning next week we are going to begin looking at the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we've mentioned before that a lot of times especially in our Pentecostal churches we have a tendency when we talk about the Holy Ghost to think of it in only one aspect and we only think about the baptism of the Holy Ghost a lot of times, or the only thing we think about is either the baptism of the Holy Ghost or we think about uh, a, quote, move of the Holy Ghost, which generally uh, involves a stirring of our emotions. And while our emotions are affected by a move of God at times, there are um, there's a lot more to the Holy Ghost than that. And uh, uh, we have missed what the Holy Ghost is really, uh, who He is, what His purpose is, what His goal is, what His... Uh, we just miss a lot when that's all we focus on. And uh, because the Holy Ghost is God. And... Uh, so let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. We'll begin reading in verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. In the book of John chapter 20, beginning at or verse 22, 
The Bible says, And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. This was after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. That He breathed on His disciples and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. When Jesus said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the resurrected and glorified Christ was now available for human hearts. And Jesus hasted to impart this life to His disciples. The Spirit of God's Son, the Spirit of Christ, is the Spirit of conversion came into their hearts on that occasion. Jesus had died and become glorified being in order that He might come into the lives of all believers. And so there is an element that the Holy Ghost comes into the life of a believer at conversion. And uh, uh, we will begin to look, we'll see later that the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there is a, an additional empowering of the Holy Ghost that comes after conversion, but we do uh, receive the Holy Ghost when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. There is an impartation from the Holy Ghost. And so this morning we're going to look at some of the things that takes place concerning conversion. The first thing, the first role that the Holy Ghost has in our coming to Jesus Christ for salvation is that He convicts men of sin. It is the Holy Ghost that convicts us of our sins and causes us to see a need of a Savior. In John chapter 16, beginning at verse 7, the Bible says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you. And when He is come, He will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. And so it is the Holy Spirit that takes the initiative in bringing men to Christ and convicting men of their sins. In convicting and in bringing conviction, we find the first thing that the Holy Ghost does is that He reveals the sin in our life. A lot of, reason, a lot of times the reason people don't come to Jesus Christ for their Savior is that they do not recognize that they are sinners in need of a Savior. Before an individual will come to Jesus Christ, they must first realize that they have sinned, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that they need a Savior. And a lot of times, we have a tendency to feel like we can do it on our own, that our, we, can, we can make it through life on our own, and we do not realize that the wages of sin is death and that we need a Savior. Now, I can tell them that, you can tell them that, somebody else can tell them, but 
empty preaching or teaching or witnessing alone is not enough to convict a person of sin and cause them to realize that they need a Savior and to reveal the sin that is in their life, but they need the conviction of the Holy Ghost. That is one reason that it is important that when we go out and we witness that we be filled with the Holy Ghost so that the Holy Ghost can move upon their hearts and upon their lives. Because we cannot of ourselves touch the spirit of man. We may stir his emotions. We may move an individual. We may even touch his intellect. But only God can touch his spirit. And so he needs to be convicted of his sin. Another thing that the Holy Ghost does... Not only does He reveal sin, but in 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 20, the Bible says, And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people, and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye against the commandments of the Lord, that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, He hath also forsaken you. Here, Zechariah was telling them of the judgment of God. He was saying, you have forsaken the ways of God. And because you have forsaken the ways of God, God is going to forsake you. And one thing that the Spirit does in convicting us is He reminds us that there will be a time that God will forsake us and that we will stand before God in judgment. The Bible says in this passage we read in Second Chronicles that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Zechariah to say these things. And so it is the Spirit of the Lord that reminds us that there is a judgment coming. And it, it te- tells us that we will be judged for our sins. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us. Not only does the Holy Spirit convict us, but once we have been convicted of our sin, once we recognize the sin in our life and we surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the Holy Ghost that imparts new life into the individual. Paul writes to Titus in chapter 3, beginning at verse 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God and our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. He imparts new life. This new life that He imparts to us brings the new birth. It uh, uh, brings about the new birth. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 63, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. That word quickeneth means to make alive. 
Uh, and so it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18, the Bible says, For Christ also hath suffered for sins the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. We are made alive by the Holy Spirit. We are made alive by the Holy Ghost in our life. It is the Holy Ghost that brings new life. When Jesus was speaking to to, us, Nicodemus, and he told him that he must be born again. He said, except a man be born by the Spirit and of water, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And, and, and there the water representing the Word. He must be born of the Spirit and of the Word. He must be born by the Spirit and by Jesus Christ. Not only uh, does he bring new life, But the Bible says in Titus where we read that He saves us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. This word regeneration includes within it the idea of reproduction. And so He brings new life. He brings the new birth to us. But not only for us, as we have been given new birth, but then because we have been given new birth, He creates within us a desire to share that with others and to reproduce to others the gospel of Christ. Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, And behold, all things are become new. When we come to the Lord for salvation, it is the Holy Ghost that makes us to be new creatures in Christ Jesus. He says the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Ghost. We are no longer the person that we used to be because of the Holy Ghost. When we come to God for salvation, when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, we are made new creatures. There are some things that a person, when they come to Jesus Christ and they have lived a life of sin and they've lived a life of of worldly thinking and, and lived a life of of, of uh, a, a totally different view and totally different philosophy of life, there are some things that 
they don't immediately know until they've had a chance to begin to read the Word of God and study the Word of God and get to know the Word of God. It takes time for some things to begin to, to take root in their life. But there are a lot of things that as soon as a person gives their heart and life to Jesus Christ, you don't have to tell them, well, you need to quit doing this and you need to quit going there and you need to stop doing this. And you need... There's some things that they just automatically quit. There's some things that they just no longer have a desire for some of the things of the world. It may not be that they have, have necessarily, they may not have felt conviction per se about doing certain things in their life. They may not have even read in the scripture where it tells them uh, that there are certain things that they're to abstain from. Just all of a the sudden, they don't enjoy the company of their worldly friends like they used to. There are some things that they just no longer enjoy. It, why is that? It's because we are made new creatures in Christ Jesus. And we are made new creatures in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost. Then the Holy Ghost in His regeneration and renewing brings reconciliation between God and man. He brings reconciliation between God and man. We are reconciled to God. That which was lost when man sinned in the garden. That separation between God and man. The Holy Ghost helps to reconcile us to God. Now don't misunderstand, and, and I'll talk a little more about this later. That is not to say that it is the Holy Ghost and not Jesus Christ that bridges the gap. In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel said, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. But I found none. That I not destroy this people, but I found none. And when Ezekiel said, when the Lord is speaking to Ezekiel and says, I sought for a man to stand in the gap, but I found none. He's saying, I sought for someone to stand in that gap between God and man because man had sinned. Sometimes we use that, that Scripture to challenge people to take up the Gospel and to, to stand for what's right. And, and we need to stand in the gap in the, in the age that we're living in, in this age of sin. And we need to point men and women to Jesus Christ. And, but that's not what Ezekiel was talking about here. That's not what God was saying when He said, I sought for a man to stand in the gap. Sometimes we even say, well, he's talking about an intercessor, and he was talking about an intercessor. 
But he's not talking about the fact that we need to pray more. Because if you read the book of Ezekiel, and, and, and you see in, in the entire context of the book, Ezekiel says, even though Daniel and Noah and uh, Job were there, it would not be enough to save the land. I mean, Daniel was known for his prayer life. And so it wasn't intercession because Daniel was interceding and he said, even if Daniel was there interceding, his intercession wouldn't be enough. He said, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And so just proclaiming righteousness to the nation was not enough. And he said, he said, uh, uh, Job, with Job's patience and godliness and, 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 and all that, and righteousness and all that, it, Job could not stand in that gap. And he said, I found none. But we get to the New Testament. And John says, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That advocate is a man to stand in the gap. Paul said to Timothy, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Someone to stand in the gap. That word advocate that John uses, is the same word that is used in Matthew, I believe it is, when they took Jesus to the temple. They took Jesus to the temple and there was a man named Simeon there who waited for the consolation of Israel. He waited for the consolation of Israel. That word is actually paraclete. The comfort of Israel. The advocate for Israel. And so, in Ezekiel's day, he says, I searched for a man and I found none. And that day that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, Simeon says, Ezekiel, you didn't find Him, but I found Him. I found the one we've been waiting for. The one that can stand in the gap between God and man and bring that reconciliation. But the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost, then helps to, to make that possible that that fellowship can totally be restored. Jesus bridges the gap, but then the Holy Ghost comes along and, and helps us with that communion so that once again we can walk with God as Adam did in the cool of the day when God would come down and commune with Adam and talk with him and now we can say and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own because we have been reconciled to God. Once we come to God, we find there is a, a uh, process that begins to happen. And, and both a process and an and and event and, and uh, things that happen, not just, not just a slow process. Sometimes it's a, 
uh, a process and sometimes it happens at, at numerous times within our life, but He begins to sanctify us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. This word sanctify means to make holy. First of all, the Holy Ghost makes us holy because He is holy. We talked about, when we talked about the names, the Holy Ghost is the one member of the Godhead that we specifically use the word holy to describe Him as part of His name. He is holy. God is holy. And the, 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 as, as part of God, the Holy Ghost is holy. He is above reproach. He is without sin. He is pure. He is holy. And because He is holy, when He comes into our life, He will cause us to be holy. So as such, as He begins to make us holy, first of all, He separates us from the world. The Holy Ghost sets us apart. Much like I said, we are made new creatures in Christ Jesus. But the longer we are a Christian, the more we mature in Christ, the greater separation there should be between us and the world. Stories told of a little boy that had a little mutt of a dog, a little mixed breed. Man come along and said, What kind of dog you got there, son? He said, He said, Oh, it's a police dog. He said, that's a police dog? Yeah, he's a police dog. And said, well, son, that don't look very much like a police dog. Little boy said, well, that's because he's in the secret service. You know, sometimes that's how we try to be as Christians. We want to mix the world with our Christianity and hide and blend in with the world. But when we truly have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost is going to bring a work of sanctification that's going to cause there to be something different in us that will cause the world to ask us, what is different about us? The Bible says that we are to come out from among them and be separate. And too many times we want to mix the things of this world with the things of God. And that's why more and more in the age that we live in, 
we have more and more. And, and I realize, and, and I'm not throwing off on anybody who has legitimate issues. There are some legitimate issues and, and some legitimate things that people have, have some uh, areas that they need medication for some mental crisis and some, some things of that nature. But the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And we have a lot of so-called Christians that are taking anxiety medicines because they are trying to hold on to the world with one hand and God with the other hand and have become double-minded because they have not allowed the Holy Ghost to do a work of sanctification in their life. And any time we try to hold on to God and on to the world, it is going to cause a struggle within our life that we cannot handle. And so we must allow the Holy Ghost to do that work of sanctification in our life. And so He removes us from the world. And yet, we are in the world but not of the world. We live in this world, but we don't think like this world. We don't act like this world. We don't do the things, because the world has been removed from us. We're familiar with the story of how that Lot and his family was delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet Lot's wife turned and looked back and was turned to a pillar of salt. And it has often been said it's because even though she had been removed from Sodom, Sodom had not been removed from her. And she still had a longing for the things of the world. But the Holy Ghost separates us and sanctifies us to remove that longing for the things of this world. The Holy Ghost comes to point us to Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost comes to teach us of Jesus Christ. And as He focuses our attention on Jesus, the more we focus on Him, the less we desire the world. That's why the songwriter said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. As the Holy Ghost begins to focus our attention on Christ, we begin to live for Christ and not for the things of this world. We're separated from this world, but we are also separated for a purpose. We are separated from this world, and oftentimes it's been separated from the world and separated unto God. Not only are we separated, but we are separated for a purpose. God has given each of us a ministry as Christians. And we've talked about it in the past uh, uh, already, how that God 
calls each of us to a ministry and the Holy Ghost anoints us for ministry in differing areas. And, and we'll, later on we'll be looking at the gifts, which are a whole lot more than just nine gifts of the Spirit. There are a whole lot more gifts that God gives the church and a lot more callings that God has for the church than just nine gifts. And there are many things we talked about earlier on, how that Bezalel and Aholiab were anointed by the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament for the construction of the temple. And so the Holy Ghost sets us apart for specific duties and specific ministries. In the book of Acts, chapter 13 and verse 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate, Another word for sanctify. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And of course we know that the Apostle Paul, Saul who later became the Apostle Paul, was separated for a very specific work. We may not be separated to be an apostle like Paul was, but God separates us. The Holy Ghost separates us for the work to which He has called. Paul tells in, in, in the book of 1 Corinthians that we are many members of one body. We each have our job. We each have our own function. You know, the eye can't say because I'm not the hearing, I'm not needed. We all have a place in the body of Christ. And it is the Holy Ghost that sets us apart for our calling. And gives us differing Gifts as He wills. Then the Holy Ghost indwells the believer. The Holy Ghost indwells the believer. We're going to talk about next week, we're going to begin talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There is a baptism of the Holy Ghost that is a distinct, separate, different experience than that of salvation. It is the next step after salvation. It is a, uh, something that we are called to. But the Spirit indwells all believers whether they have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost or not. In John chapter 14 verse 16 and 17, the Bible says, And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of, the, of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. 
The Holy Spirit was already dwelling with the apostles. But he says there will come a time when there will be a greater indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is something that is necessary in the process of salvation that the Holy Ghost comes within our life. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, if you don't have the Spirit living in your life, then you're not a Christian. Now that is not to say, as some people try to teach and some people try to proclaim, that you have to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is a distinct, as I've already said, is a distinct feature, and we are going to talk about that next week. It is a distinct work. But there is an indwelling of the Holy Ghost that comes within us, and the Bible says that no man can say that Jesus is Christ without the Spirit indwelling them. And so, uh, uh, it's a, a separate and distinct experience. And yet, there must be an indwelling of the Spirit. But then it is the Spirit that testifies. It is the Spirit that bears witness within us that we are children of God. How do I know that I have been saved? How do I know that the blood of Jesus Christ has washed away my sins? Paul tells the Romans in chapter 8 verse 16, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. As Peter is saying this, he says, through the sanctification of the Spirit and the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, there is sanctification that comes through the Spirit, from the Spirit, but it works with the obedience of man in our obeying what God has said, and this together brings about the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The Holy Ghost convicts men of sin. He sanctifies or sets them apart unto salvation. and They are born of the Spirit. He witnesses that they are the children of God. They who are Christ have the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes them into the body of Christ, and the Holy Spirit resides in their hearts. Thus we see that all true born-again believers have the Holy Spirit. They have truly begun in the Spirit all that they have in the way of Christian vitality and experience is a work of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, help us to be responsive to your spirit as he works in our lives today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.